James chapter 4. And again, I'll read verses 13 through 17, but we will focus on verse 17. Verse 13, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade, and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it's sin. In our message last week, we considered this sin of arrogance that's spoken about here and how arrogance can have a subtlety within its nature. So subtle that it sometimes, perhaps often, is able to conceal its true nature from our own conscious mind, allowing us to then go about all our many daily plans and behaviors, ignoring, sometimes even denying, that still small voice of guidance from the Holy Spirit. And we accepted that, as verse 16 tells us, that such arrogance as that, though it be subtle, is still a form of boasting. And it's evil. And it's therefore sin. Verse 16, As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. In my study of these words, I found that the Greek word here that's translated as boasting gives this exact reason why our boasting is so sinful. Why it's so abhorrent to God. The Greek word kalchisis behind this word boasting means that I might glory. That I personally might glory. That's its meaning. And so then, to boast, though it be a very subtle form of boasting, well hidden. It does the one thing, the one thing that we must never do, never do. Boasting robs God of His glory and it claims it for ourselves. Boasting robs God of His glory and it claims that glory in some way or another for ourselves. And as we know, our first duty, the first duty of man, all men and women, is to glorify God. And we are to glorify Him in everything we think, everything that we say, and in everything that we do. And when we do not, and when we do things like that mentioned here in verse 13, where we would, without thinking of God, and first asking it if it is His will, that we would say, as verse 13 tells us here, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town, and we'll spend a year there and we'll make a profit. Or perhaps it's more likely for us to say tomorrow morning as we get up that today I will go to my workplace and I will do all of these things that I have written in my planning book. If we have neglected to bring God into the equation of those daily plans, and not just as an add but as a first consideration for each plan, 
individually. That reminds me of prayers that I hear people pray. At the end of their prayer, they'll if it's a public prayer, they'll say, and forgive us of our many sins, in Jesus' name, amen. Do you see anything wrong with that? We've just kind of wadded all of our sins up into one and we haven't dealt with those sins. We don't deal with our plans. And the Lord is saying, I want you to bring each one of them to me. Not, not just this whole list. I want you to bring each one. And I want you to ask, is it my will? If we don't do that, then you and I might have crossed over that very thin line from godly planning into this subtle form of arrogance that he speaks about here. This form of presumptuousness. As we said last week in the message, presumption is a very serious form of sin. And no, most often when we make those quick off-the-cuff decisions and plans, we don't really mean to intentionally ignore or deny God. We just don't think about it at the moment. And just by doing those off-the-cuff things that we'll say or do, even if we don't intentionally ignore God, those actions and those behaviors do the same thing as if we had done it intentionally. Their effect is still the same. They accomplish the same results. We have kept God and His will out of the equation and prevented His loving hand from intervening and accomplishing His plan and His purpose through us. And there's a great deal of difference there. That is a subtle form of arrogance. And it is so very effective. And how sad that is for us. How sad that is for us. We have foolishly chosen a counterfeit agenda over the loving plans and purposes of God. That is truly sad for us. But thankfully, thankfully, God is a loving Father. And He knows our frame. He knows how we, like little children, just race about all the things of our day. And because His mercies are new every morning, each new day really is new. And though we didn't remember to call on Him yesterday, beginning today, beginning today, we can start all over again and this time, hopefully, do it right. And the words of His promises in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, they stand ready to bless us and to guide us he says to us there, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Now we're going to trust in Him first. Not our own understanding first. We're going to trust in the Lord and lean not to our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge Him and then He will direct our paths. I love the words that are behind these words, direct your path. The Greek words translated there give this vision of a very clear and level and smooth path to follow. And so when you're wondering, what is the Lord's will in this particular matter? If you ask Him, He will direct your path. And that path will look inordinately smooth. Now it's true that the narrow way is often difficult. 
He says that. And that's intentional on the part of the Lord. But He can make that narrow path so much more gentle and easy to follow. When I began earlier this week to study this particular verse, verse 17, it occurred to me as I read it that the words of that verse they don't immediately seem to connect with the other 16 verses. It looks like maybe it was an add-on. But God doesn't ever do that with His Word. It is an integral part of all the other 16 verses and, and is very intentional. And it has to do with what we're talking about. This quick, off-the-cuff manner of decision-making and handling of all the matters of our daily life. A lot of people don't have a planning book like I used to have. I mentioned last week I had my day timer. I wrote everything down in it. The things I didn't get done today, I would transfer them diligently to tomorrow. Most people these days seem to not have a list. They are much more susceptible to this quick off-the-cuff manner of decision-making and handling of all the matters of daily life. They're pictured in my mind like the guy on the New York Stock Exchange where he is yelling out all of these different bids on stocks and, and all. And because things are happening in real time every moment and it's different. But you can still have that kind of life. If that is the life that God's called you to, you can manage that kind of life if you do the first parts right. Here in verse 17, now these words are brief. These words are brief. But they are filled with meaning and purpose. Listen to these words again. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him, to her, it's sin. For the person who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for that person, it is sin. Now again, as we considered last week, sometimes, perhaps more often than not, before the day even has time to begin, you and I quickly get caught up in a rush of all that lies ahead of us. Our internal engine gets to running at breakneck speed. We fail to stop and take the time to ask God, what is your will? As I mentioned a moment ago, what is your will for each one of these matters in front of me? And again, as I said a moment ago, I know this is so because this has been my personal life. Most all of my life. Most all the days of my life. I've said to you often that I have lived with an ADD kind of personality. And it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. I, I came to accept it many years ago. And so I... Uh, have not been upset about having that kind of personality. But it was there. And though with that kind of fast-paced kind of work ethic, I might have gotten a lot of work done. But listen, I have often questioned whether those things that I did were the right things. Remember the words of this verse. Were they the right things? The things that God wanted me to do? Or was it simply my own will that was getting accomplished? And I could just see all of this production. But was it worthwhile? 
I've concluded, especially here in my later years, that all those many things that take place in that busy rush of our day are an ultimate test of our personal intimacy with the person of Christ. Do we really, really believe that the Lord Jesus is with us every moment and is intimately involved in most every minute detail of our life? Or do we believe something less? Do we believe something less? Is our relationship with Jesus like many of the husbands and wives who live in the same house and they make claims of oneness and unity, but each one has their own space. They have their own agenda for the day. They have their own separate involvements. As I observe the behaviors of many of my closest Christian friends, I see lifestyles and behaviors that are lived as if God was only to be involved in those big matters. Otherwise, they seem to have this understanding that they are expected by God and depended upon to exercise their own free will and all those other many things without that unity with Christ. Now again, that reminds me of a husband and wife living together, but they only talk about the big things, the big things in their life. Otherwise, they're each on their own. How sad. How sad that is. As believers, you and I are the beloved bride of Christ. And if we haven't taken the time, all of the time that's necessary, to develop an intimate relationship with Him, such that we would be thinking of Him and of His desires and of His plans all through our day, it's a very easy step then to just drift over onto that dangerous broad path that Scripture talks about that where we get quickly caught up with all of our business and we're not asking, what do you think, Lord? There is an absolute necessity for you and me to live each of our moments holding on to the real truth about God's involvement in our life. Believing and trusting that He really is in us every moment and is intimately involved in every thought, in every word, in every behavior that takes place within our day. Otherwise, we really will, without as much as a thought, we'll get about matters of our day missing out. Missing out on the loving care and the guidance and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And we will get what we put into that. Whatever that matter was, if it was of our own free will and only of that, we will accomplish that. And let me assure you, it would be far less than it would have been had the Holy Spirit have been able to direct our path and given us all the other parts that would have made it really right. May I suggest that the two ingredients that I've been speaking about, this busyness of activity and this lack of intimate relationship with Christ, they make up this sure formula. They make up the sure formula to bring about 
this sin that verse 17 speaks about here. Whoever knows the right thing and fails to do it, for him, for her, it is sin. Now here again, recall that this whole book of James, all of these words that he has given to us here, they are directed towards people who truly do believe in Christ. This is not to unbelievers, these words. These are to believers. People who do earnestly desire to be devout Christians. But this condition of always being busy, while at the same time failing to nurture this intimate and loving relationship with the Lord Jesus, it really opens the door wide open to the kinds of sins that these words here in verse 17 imply. The sins of omission. Sins of omission. Folks, as we've said often, sin is so very clever. Sin is so very clever. It can clothe itself in any garb necessary to accomplish its evil purposes. It can appear as the most awful of awful disasters. Or it can be a Satan who disguises himself as an angel of light. Sin can speak through the voice of the the demoniac there in the tombs. Or sin can speak through the voice of our very best friend, as Peter did with Jesus. Sin can also, listen, clothe itself in good business practices so well that you will have gone way past godly boundaries by the time you realize that you've caused more harm than good. And the sins of omission fit so very well into that kind of a circumstance. Too often we get so focused on avoiding the more obvious and hurtful kinds of sins. Those sins of commission. Sins like those described in the Ten Commandments and in other places. That the sins of omission they get completely forgotten about until it's too late and the damage is already done. But without exception without exception sins of omission are every bit as sinful and every bit as hurtful as our sins of commission The problem is we usually don't know about it until later because it's those things that we did not do. They seem to erupt in their pain and suffering and their misery later after we've walked away. And often we don't even see it taking place, but it is. May I pause here though and remind us that not all of our Christian brethren agree with the words that I'm saying here today regarding these sins of omission. Some have very wide disagreement. Our Catholic brethren, and I'm speaking of Christians now, our Catholic brethren, they teach that sin has more than one level of seriousness with God. That sins come in two basic kinds with their own penalties. In their doctrines, they have what they call mortal sins. And those sins can imperil a person's soul for eternity. That's sins such as murder and rape and incest and adultery and so on. And for them, in their doctrine, to be a mortal sin, it has to be willful intention. Willful intention. That's not omission, by the way. That is a willfully intended sin 
and with the full knowledge that what they're doing is sin. Now, the the second less serious form of sin called venial sins. They are also a violation of moral law, but they carry this lesser consequence. Venial sins are quite often sins of omission. They have a whole litany of those. And their doctrines teach that the venial sins are far less likely to send a person to hell. Now, as a general rule, we Protestants have none of these kinds of separations in the seriousness and and the consequences of sin. Sin is simply, if left unatoned for by Christ's blood, the consequences for all of our sin, for any sin, if it's not atoned for, is an eternity in hell. That's just the way it is. Sin must be atoned for. And so we put all of sin together. But then again, with that being said, even we Protestants tend to redefine sin in ways that will better fit our concepts of what we think the fairness of God should be. Now, in the more Reformed churches like ours, we take a harder line on sin, believing that sins of omission are as serious as sins of commission, and I've said that today. But many of our Arminian brethren take a slightly softer line on that. Primarily, by having a slightly different definition for sin. John Wesley, one of my favorite ministers of the gospel, defines sin with these few words. Listen. A voluntary transgression of a known law of God. That's a quote from John Wesley. A voluntary transgression of a known law of God. Now there's two words and phrases within that definition that are key. A voluntary transgression. Voluntary is willful. has to be a willful transgression. And the second part is of a known law of God. You have to know about it. You have to know that it's a sin. And so in its simplest form, this definition requires that we know that our behavior is sinful and secondly, that we commit that sin in a willful manner. Otherwise, the thing that we're doing or not doing is not sin. And that kind of definition can be confusing to people, leaving them to conclude that if, well, if I don't know that the thing that I'm doing is sin, and if I really didn't mean to do it, then I haven't sinned. But let me assure you, not knowing is never really a good excuse. It will lead to this conclusion that we can leave out the sins of omission. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Did you take time to find out if you were supposed to do that? Unfortunately, the nature that's within us chooses the easy way out for us, and it's most often based on how we feel at the moment. I just don't really feel like going anywhere tonight and doing whatever this is or that. Yes, I've got this thing I need to do this Saturday, but uh, I just don't feel like it. That which I knew I should be doing, I did not do. That's a sin of omission. I think that's where the saying came from, what I don't know won't hurt me. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you don't know you've got cancer and you've got cancer, it's going to hurt you. Sin within can hurt you even though you may not know it. 
So again, not knowing is never really a good excuse for sin. God wants and He expects you and me to add to our faith daily. We are sons of God. We are children of His. Sons find out what's going on in their household. They know because they own part of the kingdom. God wants and expects you and me as His children to add to our faith daily so that we can know Him well, so that we can know His heart and we can know His mind and we can want the purity and the holiness that He wants within our soul. He tells us that in 2 Peter 1. He says to diligently add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. In our intimacy with Christ, if we will be faithful to add to our faith all of these attributes here, these are attributes of God. And if we'll add them to our character, then we will know God's mind. And in the rush of our day, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to prompt us to say and to do these right things that He's talking about here. And we will do those right things. And verse 17 then will not be taking place. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. We'll do the right thing. Now before I close, may I ask you, each of us, is this that I've been speaking about here a problem in your daily life? Because unless we are ready to make application of the instruction that He gives here, then it's not of value. Do you generally just get caught up as far as sin is concerned with trying to avoid all of those sins of commission? So much so that you allow the sins of omission to simply slip by in the rush of your day. You haven't done any of those really bad things, but you did not do some of those good things that you're supposed to do. Now perhaps you do have a certain number or a certain group of good things that you do, you're involved in, and you're intentional and you're purposeful in that to do those good things. The next question you have to ask yourself, but are those good things that I'm doing, are they the right things? A great deal of difference because he says we're to do the right things. I want to exhort each of us to get alone with the Holy Spirit and to ask Him to minister to our souls about sins of omission to reveal to us these right things that we should be attending to. And He gives us, by the way, a whole number of these. Some of them being that we should be loving each other, loving our families, taking proper care of our families, loving all the people around us, even strangers, uh, showing affection of all kinds, um, having a listening ear, having a listening ear, visiting the sick, those in prison, providing food and other care, and above all else, 
listen, above all else, giving the gospel so that men and women's souls might be saved. Are we doing that? May I add, and then we'll close. Yes, we need to be doing those things. But not only that, we need to be aggressive at it. We need to be diligent. He speaks of fervor for those right things. That will please God and it will bless the hearts and souls of everyone that you have to do with. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, for her, it is sin. Know the right thing and do the right thing. It's within your power or He wouldn't have commanded it. Let's pray.